You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, featuring exclusive audio from Catalyst, the official singles conference of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ Singles Ministry. Good morning, brothers and sisters. My name is Cesar Hernandez from the the Las Vegas All-In Ministry. Thank you. You know, here what, what we uh, basically kind of just played out here was, was just a practical example of Christ using the Word of God to protect himself, to defend himself against the evil one. And the thing is, that could be any day. That could have been any Monday, right? At work, at office. That happens all the time. You know, but what, in the way that we're going to be able to be victorious in this life is embedding the Word of God in our hearts and minds. And so this morning, uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, the way, the nature of God uh, with the Bible as far as a parent, as a protector. You know, in, um, in Joshua 1.9 it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Wherever you go to, the, you know, to work, to holiday parties with your family. Wherever you go, God is there. And for me, you know, whenever I hear scriptures like this where God promises that he'll be there to the very end of the age, I immediately think about my dad and just how my dad was that kind of dad where he was always there. I mean, from birthdays to soccer practice and games to trips to the hospital, um, my dad was just always there. And uh, but but the next question, though, is what do we need protection from? I mean, okay, instantly we can think of, like, Satan, we can think of temptation, but honestly, we need protection from ourselves. Yeah. I mean, case in point, Aaron Hernandez, no relation, but, uh, <laughs> amen. amen, but, I mean, here we see a guy, you know, I mean, he's living the dream, I mean, he's a Super Bowl champion, just signed a $40 million contract, and now he kissed it all away because he gave into his rage, I mean, life sentence without parole, his life is done. Just imagine if he had, like, just a shred of fear of God in him. Just a shred. You know, that someone shared Proverbs 29, 11 with him. Fools give full vent to their rage. Maybe he would have thought twice about what he did. And he would have been able to celebrate another Super Bowl, but he didn't. And this reminds me of myself. How, you know, how I've need, needed protection for myself. You know, before I even studied the Bible, you know, I wanted to be a politician. I did. And, you know, thank God. I mean, at 19, I was naive and thinking, I thought that was a noble pursuit in life, a position of change. And, I mean, that would have been me. I I look at that CNN report like, that would have been me. Senator Hernandez indicted for embezzlement. I mean, you know, I would have been one of those politicians giving a stupid apology. You know, I want to apologize to my family and... uh, my constituents, and it would have been all bad. But, you know, hey, God was looking out and said, boy, you need God right now, right here. <laughs> and, uh, and so when I studied the Bible, I mean, I was blown away. I was floored. I was impressed. I was like, man, this is it. And I remember just, you know, reading my Bible with such enthusiasm and just digging in the Word and just really just in love with God and His Word. But uh, fast forward to 1999, and my dad died. Um... It was, uh, I remember it was September, and it was not my turn to take him to the hospital, but he never made it out. And, uh, you know, naturally, it was devastating, but unfortunately, I didn't recover. I didn't handle it well. I handled it poorly. 
And, um, and I just went into this spiritual decline and uh, ended up in spiritual bankruptcy by 2002, meaning I became so apathetic and I let go of the Word of God in my life and I was disfellowshipped. I was kicked out of the church. And I'll be honest, I wasn't mad when it happened. I knew that I'd earned that. I mean, who here is a parent? Who's ever put their kid in timeout? And I was acting up. Like, okay, that's an if, Hernandez. You're going to timeout. And so, hey, you know, it got my attention. You know, I, I um, you know, looking back at that time in my life, I, I wish I had this scripture tattooed to my forehead or somewhere, you know, in Isaiah 40, where it says, Do you not know, have you not heard that the Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so once I was kicked out, you know, never in my life have I felt so desperate for direction in my life. And I was literally like, I was visiting the church of San Diego, Phoenix, and God led me to San Francisco. And that became my spiritual rehab. And um, here in, in John 5, uh, verse 6, you know, Jesus addressing the paralytic. And that was me. I was paralyzed in my faith. And so when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And thank God for his grace and him providing the love of the saints in San Francisco and just being patient with me, teaching me, reteaching me his word all over again. And I was able to make the journey back. And there were so many times I was tempted to just give up. It was so hard. You know, I, I remember at night thinking, I'm going to buy myself a one-way ticket back home. This is rough. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, but, it, you know, I, I recall in Jeremiah 20 and 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. God, I don't see the prosperity. This is brutal. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And I knew that I would regret it for the rest of my life if I got on that plane. I had to stick it out. And I'll be honest, during that decade, I didn't know what God was doing until I came back home to Las Vegas. And you're like, wow, God was looking out. He was protecting me. Who here has ever seen the movie Rocky? <laughs> Amen. All right, still out there. So here we see, uh, you know, uh, Mickey was Rocky's trainer, and, but also a father figure. He was that. And, and here, Mickey, he knows that he's not always going to be there. He knows that he can't not protect Rocky from the bruises and the blows of being in the ring, being in the fight like you and I every day. But he gave him his, his most prized possession so that he never gives up. He's like, no matter you're feeling weak, no matter how hard you, you know, how tired you feel, you get up and you fight another day. And so God has given us his word here in Isaiah 52, 12. It says, but you will not leave in haste or go in flight for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. Brothers and sisters, God has our back. Let's keep reading his word. And so God hasn't just protected us, but he also provides for us. He provides direction, and he provides great examples like my sister Laura. Amen. Laura. Oh, thank you, Chris. That was awesome. Sorry, guys. Um, 
Thank you, Cecilia. That was amazing. Um, so I love this scripture by Charles Stanley, and it goes something like this. To meditate on God's word requires first that we read it, right? You can't think all day about something you haven't read. To meditate means to dig into the deeper meaning of what God is saying in his word. We aren't just to skim the Bible pages, limit ourselves to our favorite verses or passages. We're to read the whole of God's word so we can avail ourselves of the whole of God's truth. We are to read slowly, intently, looking for new insights. For those of us who've been older Christians, right? I've been a Christian 21 years, and Cecil's been a Christian 23. And um, it can be hard to do that as an older Christian, right? Um, I know last year, my, my Bible study was a little bit light. And um, it, it takes discipline to do that for 21 years. So this year, you know, and the sort of the purpose of this class, right? It's not an apologetics class. So if any of you thought it was apologetics, it's definitely not this class. But it's a way that even similar scriptures to us have, have touched our hearts in new ways based on different seasons of life and new life experiences. And so I've been reading the NASB, and it's been amazing. Because um, I remember when I was a first Christian, uh, baby Christian, I, I remember asking my sister-in-law, who's also a disciple, how many quiet times do you do a day? She's like, one. And I was like, oh, man, I'm doing it wrong. Because I was like, quiet time in the morning, quiet time in the afternoon. All that, that was my zeal, you know, and it wasn't sort of a deep level, but there were so many new truths as a non-Christian that was being learned as, as a Christian. It was blowing my mind. I was like, the answer for everything is in the Bible, right? But then what happens is, is, is you go through some challenges, maybe some heartbreaks like Cesar talked about, and it's easy to forget about the promises of God, right? And they're all there. God puts them there for us. So as I've been reading the NASB, which I definitely recommend, the NASB is like one of the most direct translations from um, the Greek, the original text, and um, it's amazing to read different versions of the Bible because it just opens up your mind to what God's trying to tell you, you know, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he definitely reveals new truths, even from scriptures you read like literally hundreds of times, and it, the way this Bible um, study goes is you read actually the Old and New Testament at the same time, and so it's unbelievable to watch the parallels of the nature of God and the nature of Jesus, and how similar they are, and just the power behind that, you know. So you think about God and just his nature and, and um, his unrelenting forgiveness. Like, it's beyond grace. It's like unrelenting, right, Israelites? And they sinned in God's eyes, and they sinned in God's eyes, and they sinned again in God's eyes. Oh, and they sinned again in God's eyes. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, God is amazing. Or you think about his omnipresence or how omniscient he is. He knows everything. So I've been learning all those truths, you know. And then Esther and I were talking, we were talking about the class, we have a lot of similarities in um, our dads, and we loved our dads very much. And we talked about just the nature of God and how it relates to um, our father, his father being the protector, my father being the provider. Um, my dad's name was Big Lou. My father um, also passed away um, in 2008 now. And uh, he actually became a disciple, amen, in 2006, the day after his 68th birthday. So don't give up on your family. or it, it, I'm telling you, it's never too late. So he went home. He, he was the last one in my family to get baptized and the first one to make it to heaven. So amen. Um, but my dad was an amazing, amazing man. And um, when I thought about provider, um, I definitely think about my dad because that's, that, you know, it's Jehovah Jireh. That was when um, Abraham was provided with the ram so that he didn't have to sacrifice his son Isaac. And so I very much connect to that. And a lot of times people will say this, especially as you're a young Christian, you're studying the Bible. You will view God in a lot of ways that you view your earthly father. 
And that was my father, right? We were not materialistically rich by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I don't think I realized I was poor until I got to college. And I was like, man, we were poor. But, um, we, and we weren't really poor because I really don't believe you were poor in America. But amen. Compared to those people, we were poor. And um, so, um, but he, he, God provided him as just this great example. He had a great work ethic. He said, you know, work really hard. And, and I remember, so when I got my first job out of college, right, college students suffering from delusions of grandeur, I didn't have a car. And so I get my first job, and I'm not happy about it and crying. My dad's like, what's wrong? I don't have a car. I'm not going to be able to get to work. I'm going to get fired. I mean, I, just, I didn't even start my first day yet, and I was always already fired. <laughs> and so um, my dad was like, Miha, I was like, Miha, don't worry. I will get you to work. father, Job, my sister, myself, my mother, <laughs> to work a hundred mile round trip for 18 months, poor guy, <laughs> 18 months he did that. I thought, how amazing is that? You know? But that's who God is, not just my father, like God provided an excellent example, right? right? Yeah. If you go to Genesis 1 and Exodus 25:27, he created the earth and he created the tabernacle. Like now in your Bibles, you can actually hear the word of God. You can close your eyes, not even read it. Just listen to it. And you close your eyes and you can imagine and picture how methodical he was. God was amazing. And that is who God created me to be. So I've been with my company now a little over uh, 26 years. And I started there out of college. And um, I went there as a receptionist. And I remember the same thing, college students suffering from delusions of grandeur. You know, they're like, yeah, you're going to be a receptionist. So I was like, yeah, I have a college degree. Are you kidding me? Receptionist? They're like, yeah, go answer this one. I was like, okay. <laughs> Judicial services. Now, so, so, but my father, same thing, told me as if God were speaking through him. Mia, you take a pride in every single thing you do. Come on. So I'm stamping letters. College degree, right? Like, good thing I got letter stamping. Nay, letter stamping. This one. But it was awesome because, you know what, it helped me to understand um, the hard work and just like God, you know. And God blessed it. And um, from receptionist to actually I'm able to, I actually lead HR for the nation now, 26 years later. Um, and it's awesome because that's, that's who God is. And that's another part of his nature, right? Um, but similar to Cesar, um, or I'm sorry. So these are the two scriptures that I held on to during the workplace. Because in corporate America, for those of you who have corporate jobs, it's brutal. And it's worldly. And it's exhausting. And every single day they drag you down. And it's, guess what? It's unfair. It is unfair, but God is just. And so these are the scriptures that I've held on to. And Colossians, Colossians 3.23 talks about working heartily as though working for the Lord, not for men. That's brought me through that time. And, and in James 1.25, again, it continues to... Um, it, it reinforced why we have to stay in the word so that we can't stay faithful, right? It says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. And God has definitely blessed that, you know? Amen. Another part of his nature is definitely one of comfort, you know? As I said, like Cesar's dad, we were able to share the stories about our father's death. And I come from a family of disciples, again, through the grace of God. But when my father died, it was one of the most, and you, as you can tell, you know, he died in 2008, and it's 2015, and you still feel that pain, right? When my father died, um, 
my family, and I have a really close-knit family, we could not be there for each other. We were ill-equipped because we were just devastated, devastated. And it was at those times where this scripture took on new meaning for me as far as the nature of God. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And, um, and then the other thing you provided was a fam- you know, family of disciples. When you come from a family of disciples, it's sort of, you, you don't necessarily have to get super, super close to the family of disciples because you're physical family of disciples. And that's a disservice because the family of God is awesome. Right. But I always leaned on my physical family. And so um, in Acts 2:44, how it says, And those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling everything, sharing anyone who might have a need. That scripture took on a whole new meaning for me, for the disciples, because they were there. And so when my father died, again, not materialistically rich, we didn't have, uh, my dad didn't have life insurance. And again, I, I was like devastated. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm so scared. And our region leader at the time just, you know, put out a request, hey, listen, if we can help out the Martinez family, it would be incredible. And uh, I remember one day my mom and I got a check in the mail. I was like, oh, wow, another check, another check, another check. My family of God donated over $10,000 to take care of all of my father's expenses. That blew my mind, blew my mind, you know. And um, it, it really, again, gave a whole new meaning to what that scripture means because that's what God does. He provides us with everything we need. Uh, and the one other thing that Seth was about to talk about is he provides us, I think, as singles with an incredible dynamic charge for our lives. Thank you, Laura. That was awesome. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, what is the value of a disciple? I know a lot of us have, are intimately familiar with the passage of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, but I want you to hang on to that, that thought. What is the worth of a disciple in our society? I want to read this quote by Charles Stanley. It says, uh, We do not acquire feelings of self-worth by standing in front of a mirror. And repeating to ourselves, I am worthy, I am worthy, I am worthy. We acquire feelings of self-worth when we stand in front of the cross and come to the realization of the greatest truth of all time. I am worthy because God says I'm worthy. I am worthy because Jesus died in my place for my sins so that I might live in eternity with God. You know, I was born and raised in Las Vegas, and I have seen many a uh, property get blown up and built up. And one in particular that stands out to me is the Mandalay Bay Hotel. I don't know if you've ever been there or seen it, but what was unique about that particular property is that when it was being built, uh, all of a sudden the, the main structure was sinking, and all of a sudden the conquerors are freaking out. You know, they're like, whoa. And, uh, and the investor, they call the investors and like, look, we're, this sucker's sinking. They lied to us. It's on a, on a sand lot or what have you. Like, so the investors, they didn't like just throw up their hands and say, well, oh, well, we, we tried. You know? Like, no. It's like, you fix it, you fix it now. And so they, what they did was they drilled into the base of the property, and for 48 hours straight, they just poured concrete, just pouring and pouring, drilling and pouring, drilling and pouring, and sure enough, okay, it stabilized the property, and here it is today. This past winter, um, I went to Hawaii for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, you know, I was looking for, I'd never been to Hawaii before, and, and it was a lifelong dream for my mom, and so we were excited. All of a sudden, we get there, we're in Hawaii, we're in the lobby. I look around, and I'm surrounded by honeymooners. Oh. Oh, 
I'm seeing Japanese brides, you know, <laughs> running around with their photographer in tow. And I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. You know, like, oh, really, God? Really? You know, 23 years of singledom. Yeah, this is how I go to Hawaii. Okay, hey, I'm here for mom, so I'll be happy. Amen, Amen. right? Amen. But I come back home to Vegas, and I'm feeling wounded. I mean, I, I'm feeling wounded. I, I'm feeling it, like, ugh. You know, and so, okay, I need some inspiration, so I'm going to go see the movie Unforgiven. I'm going to see the movie Unforgiven. Unbroken. Uh, Unbroken. Thank you. There you go. Unbroken. It was one of those un movies. Yeah. Angelina Jolie. You know, so, you know, I, I, I hear about this, you know, American POW Olympian, you know, and, and okay, I'm going to go watch it. And as I'm watching him in jail, as I'm watching him on the screen, you know, and I'm thinking, that's me. I'm a POW. I'm a POW in the singles ministry. I don't know if I'll ever get out. Uh, I was hurting. I, I was hurting. And when I found myself really, really sinking in, when I, when I found myself really feeling depressed, like immediately I, I, I thought of Mandalay Bay Hotel. I'm thinking, I'm sinking. But I'm too valuable. I'm far too, I'm more valuable than a stupid casino. God has invested way too much into me. He invested his son for crying out loud. And so immediately, you know, I'm, I'm, I was like, okay, I'm freaking out. Okay, I, I got to like pour as much God as I can into me right now. You know, I'm listening to sermons. I'm reading as much Bible as I can. I'm listening to Christian music just to stabilize my foundation in my heart. To bring it back. And um, in 1 Peter 2.9, the Bible says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You know, if there's one thing that I could go back to that period when I was 27, 30, I wish I'd been so much more humble and vulnerable and open. Say, look, I am dying here. I can't even open my Bible. Can you help me? And uh, I'll be honest, I don't like talking about that part of my life. I really don't. I feel a lot of shame and embarrassment behind it because I fear rejection. But I know this is not a popularity contest. God, this is about, you know, finishing the race. This is about saving souls. This is real. This isn't just a ritual. This isn't just a club. This is about going to heaven. And so uh, I want to pass the charge on here to my sister, Laura. Amen. Thank you, Sessa. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Sessa. So amazing. So I appreciate it because it's true to feel devalued, especially as a single who's been in ministry, singles ministry for a long time. Um, so the second part of what we talked about, and Cesar came up with this, which I thought was brilliant. It's true. It's like definitely know our worth, but also commissioned to know our responsibility. So as I told you guys, I've been single as a Christian for 21 years. And uh, believe it or not, I'm really peaceful in my singleness right now. <laughs> I'm in a se- yeah, season of single peacefulness, which is awesome. And actually, it's, it's, it's sustained for a while now. Um, but... Um, it hasn't always been that way in 21 years, you know? And there are times as a Christian, a little soldier, you're just trying to do your thing. Okay, let me be a soldier. Amen. God's in control. Okay, you know? And as a single, I, uh, when I became a Christian and I studied the Bible, I actually gave up a relationship. I broke up with my boyfriend to become a Christian. And amen, I did it for God and said it was going to be awesome. And um, I dated actually a couple times exclusively. So I thought for sure one of them was definitely my uh, 
my husband, and it's so interesting when you're dating somebody, how you can talk to other sisters. Girl, you just need to have faith. You know, God's got your man, and then you break up with your boyfriend, and you're like, okay. Um, <laughs> it's a test, right? So as I began getting older as a Christian, you know, 35, okay, I'm not married, amen. 38, not married, amen. 40, like, you start getting up there. I could never have imagined being unmarried at this point. I come from a family of married people. My twin is married. My older brother is married. My younger brother is married. My parents, before my father passed away, were married 45 years. Like, that is the blueprint. That's my DNA. Marriage is my DNA. And I just couldn't even imagine. I said, oh, my goodness. Like, and um, one real heartbreak, and everybody has different heartbreaks. You guys feel it yourselves. It's all individual, right? But one of my heartbreaks was definitely, um, I felt like there was always this little place in my heart of love that was totally set aside just for my children, my children, the children that I would have, which I don't have, although I feel like I do because I have lots of nieces and nephews, then I get to give them back, so. Um, but that was, that was heartbreaking for me to come to the realization that they, that just may not happen. And you know, I'm getting up there in my age, I'm in my later 40s now, and, and um, amen to Sarah, but I don't think I want to have a child when I'm 90. But, um, but amen, she's very faithful. Um, and so God helped me to work through that. And I don't think God expects me to be like, well, you just need to get over it. You need to trust in me. And this life is temporary and we're going to heaven. And that's all true. But God knows that um, we're human and we're dust. And so I remember one time, one of my best friends, um, Liz Carrasco, sitting here in the front row, like best friends do. Amen. Come on, Liz Carrasco. Um, one day I was at work and just feeling, you know, one of those days you just feel like, oh, my goodness, is it all worth it? And bling, my text goes off, and I put in a description Hebrews, right? And it really helped me to connect with the nature of God because it's easy to feel forgotten. And, and the scriptures, God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered and still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sledged but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And I remember just bawling my eyeballs out. It was the perfect time because it's easy to feel forgotten. And it's like, God hasn't forgotten me. She was feeling it. as God hasn't forgotten you. I've seen your work. God. And then the last thing I had to remember is, God thinks I'm awesome. God's my biggest fan. In Psalm 139, it talks about how he thinks I'm wonderful and that my soul should know it full well. He thinks I'm wonderful. He thinks you're wonderful. All of you guys. That was amazing. In Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. In some translations, it says masterpiece, like masterpiece. That's unbelievable. So you've got to go kind of through those phases. You have to feel the pain. You have to share the loss. But then you have to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to move you through those times. And it was then and only then, when I worked through those times, that the paradigm shift occurred, right? Where I realized, man, God has high expectations for the singles ministry. I don't know about you guys. I've been in the singles ministry 21 years. I have a loyalty to the singles ministry. Even when God ever says, I'm getting married, I'm going to ask my husband, can we stay in the singles ministry? Because I love the singles ministry. The singles ministry is awesome. If you walk around in the fellowship right now, you just talk about, talk to people. The caliber of people we have here is unbelievable. And dare I say, I feel like the singles ministry should be the most dynamic ministry in the entire church, in any church, right? It really, really should be. Um, in Luke uh, 12:48b, it says, "From 
everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Voltaire says, with great power comes great responsibility. Unless you're a Marvel's um, comic fan, in which case, it's Uncle Ben told Spidey, right? <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. There you go, Spider-Man, awesome. It means the same. And I do believe, as the singles... We have that responsibility, right? A lot of times on Facebook, I've been reading these different articles, maybe you have too, about the marginalization of singles at church, right? And definitely the responsibility of church leaders to um, take responsibility in, you know, what's going on. But when I read that scripture, I read that article, I stopped and thought, man, how much have I contributed to the marginalization of singles? Do people look at my life? Do teens look at my life? Do campus people look at my life? And do they say, man, I want to be a single. Or have I walked around like a malcontent, lonely, unfulfilled, incomplete, because I don't have, my marital status hasn't changed to married. That didn't make any sense to me. I thought, no, no way. That's, that, that can't happen. You know, in First Corinthians, it talks, you know, Paul, and you guys have read the scripture. I don't have to read it to you. It talks about undivided devotion, right? That it's far better. It says, you know, free from concern, concerned about the things of the Lord, pleasing the Lord, concerned about the things of the Lord, both body and spirit, your own benefit, undistracted devotion to the Lord, undistracted devotion to the Lord. And I, I read that and I thought, man, Paul's not just telling me to hang out and it's so cool. I can go to the spa if I want to or take off on a mission trip if I want to. Nobody can hold me down, although that is true and I have done both of those things. Um, but it really, to me, it felt like a charge. Like a charge, like I don't want to be a contributing factor to the marginalization of singles. I want people to look at my life and to be inspired and to say, man, that's the glory of God there. What's different about her? Why is she joyful? Why, you know, if she got passed up for a promotion, why is she still happy at her boss, you know? She's not on a date, but she seems so happy, you know? That's what I want people to know about my life, you know? And it got me to thinking, um, Um, there's this quote by uh, a, a writer by the name of Laura Ferguson. And Cesar and I were talking about this, right? Because we are kind of in, new ter- we're in the new frontier of delayed marriage singles, right? That's what we're going to call it. That's going to be our new ministry, delayed marriage singles. Anybody want to be a part of the delayed marriage singles? I'm fired up about it. Okay. So my <laughs> I'm totally kidding. My <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm totally kidding. Not really. Okay. My pastor leads a large church planting network. And I asked him recently, how many single guys are planting the network? He named a mere few. The scarcity of undistracted, or undivided, right, men and women in ministry is sad, but more so, it's alarming. I am in no way discouraging marriage, as I'm not either. I want to be married after all, but If the trend of delayed marriage continues, we must have men and women who have walked the narrow path of godly singleness teaching those who come after them. There will be brothers and sisters who come after us. I don't know. I may have the gift. You can call me Paulette. I'm not sure. I might. But what I know is, you know, again, life is, is, is this life is temporary. And to me, this is what I desire to be sort of the mantra of our singles, right? The new, let's call it the new single, right? The new single cannot continue to be diminished to a mere waiting station, right? But should be characterized by a life of inspiration. That's what I think, right? I don't know what you think, but that's what I think. And, and when you can do that, right, and you're deeply, deeply in the word of God to the point where 
it's not just like temporary happiness. Because I think you can get temporary happiness. Like the spa makes me very happy temporarily and then I have to go back. Um, but I'm talking about that true eternal, internal joy that allows you to be joyful regardless of life circumstances. And so then when you can truly feel that, you can respond graciously and in a godly way to well-intended, but dare I say slightly out-of-touch friends and married friends and family who say things like we're, we're going to demonstrate in the following video. Hold on for technical difficulties. I'll let Caesar talk and I'll try to get it to work. So we're going to give away uh, those uh, gift cards. Um, so quickly, um, what's some crazy sayings that any of you have said that you've heard from married friends? I know you two are to say you've all, I know you've already done your homework. All right, there we go. One in the back, uh, orange band, orange band right in the middle, white shirt. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> to you, right? As a single, right? Amen. Okay, brother, got your card and a sister. Can I get a sister to the house? All right, right there in the middle, gray, gray sweater. Go ahead. So, brothers and sisters, uh, I just, in closing, I, I, I want you to walk away with this, this one thought. Um, and, I, you know, I, I got this actually from my cross study that I had, you know, 23 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a society right now that is just obsessed with the celebrity culture. Yep. When we have celebrity chefs, celebrity dog trainers, I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and, but, you know, the sad thing is, is that, you know, with, you know, politicians and celebrities, you know, and their fame and fortune, all they can do is address the obvious. Yep. There's problems in our world that we live in a godless society, duh. And that's all they can do. You know, they, they, they you know, spend, they create concerts and raise millions and we brought awareness to suicide or domestic violence or, you know, human trafficking, whatever. And all they do is bring awareness. You know, but as disciples, we bring the true hope, the word of God. That's what the world needs. We don't need any more celebrities. We don't need any more politicians. What we need is people embedded with the the word of God. And so in closing, you know, the Bible, God gave us the Bible to be able to protect us, to provide for us, to commission us, to understand our value, our responsibility. And so we hope that this lesson inspired you to really dig deeper 
you know, to wrestle with the scriptures through the years. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, I've had to like literally pray over scriptures to either understand it or to apply it to my life. Do we, do we, do we have connection? Do we? we have. Amen. Let's close out the video. everybody have a great conference you've just listened to audio from the catalyst conference for more information about catalyst please visit catalystretreat.com